Well, this morning we're going to be in Psalm 119. We're just going to look at a few verses in Psalm 119 because Psalm 119 is a huge chapter. It's actually the largest chapter in the Bible with 176 verses. So I wouldn't have time just to read all of those, let alone preach on them. So we're going to look at Psalm 119 verses 6, I'm sorry, verses 9 through 16 as we consider the fact that God's Word demands our worship. And if you remember, or if this is your first time being here, I'll just do a little bit of review. We've been looking since I began preaching here at the doctrine of worship. Why is it that we worship? What is worship? Who is it that we worship? We're asking and answering all of those questions. And right now we're on kind of the subtopic or the sub-question of why we should worship. We've already seen that we should worship because God's creation demands it. The, the order of creation, the beauty of creation, the way God has made everything demands our worship. But also, God has designed us to worship. He has made us for it. And so we are created for that very purpose. Second, we saw that God's sovereignty or His control over the world demands our worship. Because God knows all things, because He, see, uh, he is present everywhere, and because He is all-powerful, we should worship Him. It demands that we worship Him. And so there's this third reason that I want to give today for why we should worship, and that is... God's word or his command demands our worship. Now, I I know all of you probably have likely had this experience before. I think it's an experience that is common to every child. But if you remember back to when you were a child and the, the infamous answer that your parents would give whenever you would ask why. Remember what your parents might have said when you asked why? What was it? Because I said so, right? Because I said so. It was the answer I heard a thousand times if I heard it once. And uh, I hated that answer as a child. I hated it because, number one, I knew that that was the end of the conversation. There were no more questions after that. And if I were to follow up with a but why after that, my rear end would get the answer to the question. And so I knew that I couldn't go on and and ask. And it just annoyed me that my my dad, who usually gave that answer, my mom was less likely to give it, but my dad would answer back with that when he was finally done. And I did not want to hear that the conversation was over. But if there was ever a good reason, if there was ever a, a kernel of truth to the reason that children tend to ask why and we and get annoyed by the fact that parents answer because I said so it's because we we know that that's not really an answer right the question is why and we just parents answer because I said so I said it so do it and now as a parent having been a parent for 15 years I understand why I would say that now. I can relate to my dad and, and I can say with all confidence, that's the point. The point is, you need to do it 
because I said so. It is an answer to the question. I understand now that the point in that answer is to state that I, as the Father, have a level of authority that demands obedience, whether I have a good reason or not. But honestly, and I really kind of wish my children weren't here to hear this, (laughs) honestly, (laughs) I don't always have a good reason. And if you're honest, as a parent, you don't always have a good reason for why you're telling your kids to do something. In fact, a lot of times I tell my children to do something or to stop doing something because it's getting on my nerves and I just want them to stop doing it. Or I tell them to go do something because I don't want to have to be the one to do it. And so I just tell them to go do it. And I know... And I think they know too. Logan, why are you smiling so much? I think they know too that I don't have an answer for the question of why. Other than the fact that I just want it to happen. It's just what I want. Now, in answering the question of why we should worship, we could easily just give the theological version of because I said so. We could say that without adequate reason, God commands that we do it, and therefore we should do it. If we're honest, we might, if we hear, well, God said so, so we should do it. When we hear that, we, like a little kid, might think that our heavenly father is like our earthly father. He sometimes demands things just because he wants to watch us jump or because he's annoyed. But if we were to think that, we'd be wrong. God's commands are always good. And God's commands are always given ultimately for our good. They may not seem like that at the time, but God's commands are always intended for our good. We know that because we've already seen that God has made everything to worship Him. So because we're designed to worship God... The only way that we can find fulfillment in life is by worshiping the God who made us. If you are made for something, then the only way that you can really know your purpose in life is to do the thing that you're made for. So if you're made to worship God, then the only way that you can know fulfillment and delight and joy in this life is to do what God made you to do. And... We've also seen that God's sovereign, which includes the fact that he knows all things. And if God knows all things, he knows exactly what you need. So think about that. He knows who you are. He made you and he knows everything about you. He knows that every hair on your head, he knows what you like, what you don't like, what you need for fulfillment in life. So if he knows everything about you, then he knows what commands are good for you. And when he gives you a command, he knows that it is best for you, even though it doesn't seem like it at times. So when God commands us to do something, that command is good, and it is always meant for our good. So with all of that in mind, let's consider the truth that God's commands are a motivation for our worship of Him. God's commands should motivate us to worship Him. Let's read Psalm 
119 verses 9 through 16 together to see that. Psalm 119 verse 9, God's word says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of, my te- in the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your words. So there are two things that I want you to see from this text today, two points that I want to bring out of these few verses that we've just read. First of all, and it's really kind of the title of the sermon, but also a point, which is God's word demands our worship. First, God's word demands our worship. And second, God's word delights our souls. So God's word demands our worship and God's word delights our souls. So first, God's word demands our worship. To see that, look back up at Psalm 119, verse 1. Psalm 119 starts by saying, Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Now in this verse, we find that the one who would live the blessed and the blameless life must walk in the law of the Lord. Now that's hard. It's hard for our society to reckon with this. But the God of the universe has a right as our creator and as our sovereign to demand things of us. He has a right to command us to do something in in a way he can say he's the only creature, not only creature, he's the only being in all of the universe that can say, because I said so. And he and, uh, you know, the this past week, the CNN anchor Don Lemon, he was talking about the um, the recent ruling by the Roman Catholic Church on same sex unions in which the Roman Catholic Church said that they could not bless, thankfully, same sex unions. Uh, And Don Lemon got upset about that. And he said that the church needed to reexamine themselves because, quote, God is not about judging. Now, apparently, Don Lemon has never read the Bible because the Bible, if you read just a few pages of it, is full of commands. If you read the first three chapters, you'll find that God's word is full of commands and judgments. And we find that the chief command in Scripture is a command to worship. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, at the very beginning of God's Ten Commandments, how did the Ten Commandments begin? You shall have no other gods before me, and you shall not make a graven image. The first two commands that God gives to His people are about worship. The greatest commandment that Jesus says is the greatest among all of the commandments from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, commands us to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. 
After settling in the promised land, Joshua in Joshua chapter 24, verse 14, calls the people to fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Simply put, worship is the first commandment. It is the greatest commandment. And it is the commandment that sustains our relationship to God. It is primary among all that God commands. And really, it is the reason for which God commands everything else that He does command. So now we might be tempted to think that God just arbitrarily commands worship. And that brings me to my second point. God's Word delights our souls. Now, Psalm 119, as I said, is the largest psalm and it is the longest chapter in the Bible with 176 verses. And every one of those verses deals with the Word of God and all of its benefits for the believer. In fact, in your Lord's Day reading this afternoon, I encourage you maybe right before you take your nap or after you take your nap, go and read Psalm 119, all of it. And you'll find that every verse deals with the benefits of the Word of God for those who would follow it. Now, From these verses that we read at the beginning, I want you to notice two benefits of the Word of God that should motivate us to worship Him. First, from verses 9 through 11, we find that the righteousness that God's Word reveals brings about great benefits for the believer. The righteousness of the Word of God, as the psalmist says, keeps our way pure. It makes our way pure. Now, it's unfortunate in our day that the words purity and righteousness have been turned into oppressive terms. The modern man thinks that the concept of purity is restrictive, keeping him from following the desires of his heart and living his best life. But the opposite is actually true. Because God has made you for himself, you cannot know the greatest delights of this life until you submit to the righteousness of God. You may think that you uh, that having all the as many sexual partners as you can have will bring you fulfillment, but it's actually in the faithful lifelong union of man and woman in covenant marriage that you truly find delight. It's in being married for 51 years and knowing someone so well that you delight in them even when they aggravate you because they will. Right, Miss Gail? Um, <laughs> I didn't ask you, Lanier. Um, <laughs> even in that, It is the truest way to know delight, to be obedient to God in that marriage relationship. You may think that holding on to the hate that you have for that person that's harmed you will bring you some sort of comfort, but it's actually in the act of forgiveness that you will find comfort for your soul. You may think that tearing it up on the weekend and waking up hungover and washed up at noon on Sunday is the only way to escape the troubles of your work life. But you will never know true rest from the toils of this world until you enjoy the Sabbath and rest in God's presence with God's people. Second, 
From verses 12 through 16, we find that the Word of God is our true delight. The word delight, you'll notice, is used there in verse 14. And I I did a little calculation, and this is actually the most used word in Psalm 119. If you go through and read it this afternoon, you'll know you just keep reading the word delight over and over again. It is used 10 different times in Psalm 119 to describe the Word of God. If you include the similar words like comfort and wondrous, then that number grows to 15. And this tells me that above all else, the Word of God brings us delight. But how? How is it that a collection of 66 books written over a span of 1,500 years by at least 50 different authors from as many as seven different cultural contexts could contain the truths that would satisfy my soul? It's because even though those words are written by over such a great time span and by so many different people, yet there is ultimately one divine author. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says that all Scripture is God-breathed. And in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, Peter says that God spoke through the prophets as He carried them along by His Spirit. So when the Bible speaks on an issue, it speaks with the authority of God. And the fact that God has spoken means that we aren't in the dark anymore when it comes to His will. I know We know His design for our relationships because God's Word has told us His purpose for our relationships. We know His purpose for our lives because God word, God's Word tells us His purpose for our lives. We know, and the greatest thing we know of all, is God's great salvation that He has brought about through His Son because God's Word tells us. He has not left us in the dark. There are two ways that I think these truths apply to us today. First, the truest way to live is to live in light of the Word of God. Now, our society is obsessed with living true to ourselves. If you feel like you're a woman trapped in a man's body, then you should be provided with every benefit to make your feelings a reality. And the world should bend to the way that you view yourself. If your sexual desires are directed towards people of the same gender, then even the 8,000-year-old human institution of marriage should bend to your desires. If you find that your lifestyle has led to, the inconvenient, to an inconvenient pregnancy, then even the concern for another human life should be thrown aside for the sake of the future that you want for yourself. But what our society doesn't tell you is that seeking a true life apart from God's Word will only end in tragedy. Did you know that the suicide rate among those who have already had a sex reassignment surgery is 20 times greater than among their peers. 20 times greater. Now the whole justification for why 
we, they need the surgery and why the military has to pay for it or the government has to pay for it is so that they will be satisfied with who they are. And yet, even after the reassignment, they are 20 times greater to commit suicide. Or that the divorce rate among homosexual couples is 10% higher than the divorce rate among heterosexual couples. Or did you know that, ironically, 81% of women who have had an abortion experience have an increase in mental health problems like depression. Now, the irony of that is the whole justification, one of the major justifications for why a woman should be able to have an abortion is so that she won't have mental issues from the pregnancy. And yet, 81% of women who have had an abortion have mental issues from the abortion itself. You see, the truest way to live is not to live for yourself. The truest way to live is found in the way that God has given through His Word. Jesus says in, in uh, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through, through me. If you want to live as a true human, if you want to live your true life, your best life, the way that you are made to live, then you must turn to Christ and follow Him. It is the only way to know your true purpose in this life. If you want to know the truth about this life, you must find it in the Word of God. There is no other truth outside of the Word of God and what He says about you. If you want to know that abundant eternal life, you will only find it by believing the gospel and following Jesus Christ. Won't you turn to Christ today? Brothers and sisters, there's a way that I think these truths apply to us as well. I found that at least in my own ministry and in my own experience as a Christian in America, that often we think that God's word We think of God's word in one of two ways. For some of us, we make a distinction between our spiritual life and our life out in the world. Now, in our spiritual life, whether it be our church or our family life, we believe that God's word has full authority. But in our secular life, in our life out in the world, in our work and in our politics and our social interactions, our social media interactions, we think that our constitutional rights hold that authority. For example, we would all wholeheartedly affirm James chapter 1, verse 19, which says, Be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, until we feel that our First Amendment rights are being threatened. And then, Katie, bar the door. <laughs> Is it possible that our rant on social media or our willingness to denigrate our opponent or our quickness to say what we think without the first concern for the whole story could betray what we really believe about God's Word. That it doesn't really have authority over our whole life. really doesn't apply to how we act out in the world, just what we do in here. Second, some of us instead place some so many caveats on the word of God 
that we make it practically useless for any real-world scenario. The example I have that uh, it comes up a lot in my, in my experiences is with the teachings of Jesus on turning the other cheek that we find in Matthew chapter 5, verse 39. We so quickly put, put all kinds of conditions on that statement. We say, well, it's not talking about self-defense and it's not talking about being run over and it's not talking about you being mistreated and, it, and when, it's not talking about when something uh, is being taken from you and it's not talking about justice when, when justice needs to be done. And by the time we're done, the statement means absolutely nothing. And it's, it doesn't even apply to us anymore because we've done caveated out everything that applies in our lives. And just so you know, yes, turning the other cheek applies to all of the things I just said. But we would rather make it ineffective in our lives because we say, well, it doesn't apply to me in this particular circumstance. It doesn't apply to me when my friend is accosting me and, and telling me that I need to do something different. It doesn't apply to me when, uh, when my, my neighbor is encroaching on my landline. It doesn't apply to me when I think that somebody's shysting me with a bill that seems a little higher than it should be. It doesn't apply to me in all of those circumstances. So it doesn't apply at all. Brothers and sisters, we don't have two separate laws, one for our spiritual life and one for our life out in the world. And we don't have a law that means nothing when it comes to the real world. We have the word of God that calls us to live as true humans, humans who are not tossed about by the uncertainty of our own feelings or our own passions, but those who are sure of who we are in Christ, because God has spoken. May we live in light of the word of God, bringing the whole of our lives to obey every word as an act of worship to the God who has given these commands for our good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we know that oftentimes your word is hard because it commands us to do things that we as sinful people don't want to do. We would rather live in accordance with our own will and our own desires. And yet you have called us through your sons to so, through your son to so much more. Father, give us the strength. Give us your spirit that we might live in accordance with your word, because we know that your word brings delight that your word is ultimately for our good. So, Father, I pray that we would leave this place ready to serve and to live for you because you have made us, you know us, and you have spoken to us through your word. Bless us now as we continue to worship. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.